All right, so I'm gonna I'll, I'll read the intro, okay? Yeah. So, by, by the way, this intro is to uh, the the hit song "The Boys Are Back in Town," which is gonna play under under this. So just keep that in mind for yeah, the energy, okay? Timely reference. The latest news from the impeachment hearings have the nation abuzz. The mayor Pete Dance is taking the youth by storm, and we're entering day two of Twitter sensation Conrad Golden at Bronze Swords, missing from Twitter after he suddenly deactivated. It's a rainy Sunday afternoon, November 24th, 2019. I'm Dan Logicai. I'm here with my good friend Kyle at Agent DB Sweeney on Twitter, and we're recording episode two, or I should say 2A, of our seasonal podcast, Blocked and Reported. I'm doing all right. I just got back from New York City, the Big Apple. Yeah, the, the Windy Apple, man. What was going on over there? What brought you to to the big city? Well, one of the things that brought me there was I wanted to see the David Lynch art show. I feel like every time you go there, it's for the David Lynch art show. What's going on with this David Lynch art show? Well, I went once before to do to go to a weekend festival that he was curating. Uh huh. And it was music. Was that and- also at the David Lynch art thing? No, that's not really a thing. You just made that up in your head. The uh, so right now though he has a um, you. I'm sure you're aware that he, as well as being a filmmaker, he's a painter and sculptor. Wait, I'll bite. Who's David Lynch? Oh shit, sorry. Uh, uh, David- don't worry, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, go go on. I I am aware that David Lynch uh, is in addition to being a uh, a, a filmmaker, he's also a painter, sculptor, uh, and musician. Yeah, David Lynch filmmaker. He made the straight story. The, the executive producer and creator of On the Air, David Lynch. Yeah, exactly. So um, he has an exhibit up at a small gallery in Manhattan. And so we went for a few other reasons, but that was one of the things that I wanted to do. And that was cool to see that. All right. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. And when we were walking around... Is there around, anything else about your, your trip you want to discuss? When we were walking around, um, it had a kinky feel to it like i thought i put the pictures up on twitter if i didn't i will do that tonight but cool man at the top of the show i mentioned that this was uh, episode 2a do we want to discuss what happened with uh, episode 2 yeah sure because we we recorded a a a lost episode 2 that was about about our takes on the joker yeah that's right it was kind of like you know the joker had just come out i think we recorded a week after the release of joker i'm not a huge fan um you, I, I was a bigger you, fan than you. Yeah, you, but you're still not even. You're not like. Um, you're not a Joker stan, really. But you still thought it was. No, I, I would not say I'm a, I'm a Joker stan. But what I liked about it was I, I, I like the superficial aspects of the movie. I thought it had like yeah, good yeah. atmosphere and, and setting and cinematography and music. That's those are the things I enjoyed. Like the people who get into like the the themes or the commentary of the movie, miss, they miss me with that shit, man. Yeah, same here. I don't see it at all um i think that i guess was... i guess i saw more thematically going on in the movie than, than you did because I, I do think there was a kind of like a i thought that there was a like so somewhat of a class analysis uh, a class consciousness message but i thought it was firmly in like the first third of the movie and i think it was from there like pretty much just abruptly truncated and abandoned uh in the rest of the film which was still a, it made for an entertaining movie i wasn't going for a lecture on class consciousness anyways so i was fine with that but i i uh 
I think we were we both had some critical words for uh, the um, the the Chapo Trap House episode on the subject. If I, if memory serves, yeah, very much so. I I break with uh, Chapo on Joker for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the reasons that podcast failed one was just the audio was unusable. But we we set out to do the um, the the first ever. Um, irony free joker take that's true and i think that that did us in i think once we decided to do that i think it was all over because this is a movie that contains the line we live in a society that i I, a line that i think is meant unironically in the movie and there's just no way you're going to be able to do an unironic take on that that i know of (laughs) no yeah that's a good point so anyways, so so you, that that's that's gone. You'll never hear that. That's that's a lost episode. Uh I'll say you're not really missing much. It wasn't it wasn't very good. We did not have any killer insight into the Joker, but uh we are uh we are back to uh address um a different movie. Uh uh an even more controversial movie uh called The Hunt, a, a film so sick and twisted uh they wouldn't even release it. And the media won't tell you the true story. You're only going to get it. You're only going to get the full story here on uh, Blocked and Reported with me, Logic Guy, and my friend Kyle. Um, and uh, so we'll get to that soon. Did you want to hit on, you said something about media blitz? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point, Kyle. I, I have, uh, I, I've been kind of uh, all over the, me- the media lately. I've, I've been, I've been blowing up. up. Dude. Yeah, it's true. I've, I've been blowing up in, in, in the media for uh, kind of a, a couple of reasons. Uh, the first was that... Um, I may have been featured on Infowars. They may have played a clip of me heckling Char- Charlie Kirk at a TP USA event on Infowars, and Alex Jones may have discussed it with uh, Nick Fuentes. Uh, so that was um, that was a thing that happened. Right. Do you have anything you want to say about that, or just that I had no idea it even happened until like a week after the fact, and so- someone sent me the clip and was like, "Is this you?" And I was like, "I'm on Infowars." And the the interesting thing about that clip is that uh, so at the beginning I actually say something uh, anti-Trump, and Alex Jones cuts that part out, and he just plays the clip of me heckling Charlie for uh, lying about uh, about missing his spot at at West Point because of affirmative action, and they play it kind of implying that I'm a groiper, uh, which is weird, and there are rumors that I might have a, a groiper following out there somewhere, so that's cool, and even, because the, the, the clip got play in left-wing media too, and even they, like Anna Kasparian uh, has a segment talking about it with Michael Brooks, and even they, they entertain the idea that I was a groiper as well. Yeah, so, she seemed to think, she seemed to think you were a groiper based on the way she presented it. I think she said I was a groiper, if I'm not mistaken. Look, the guy asking Charlie Kirk the question in the beginning, I don't know for sure if he's part of the right-wing group that's been uh, targeting Turning Point USA, but that has been a thing. Now, haven't you spoken to Michael Brooks on the phone? Uh, and I've met him in person. That's right, yeah. He did, he well, did guess... not recognize. He wasn't like, oh, no, I met that guy at the <laughs> Bell House once. No, that didn't happen. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, so I was featured in uh, on. Uh, or I well, can't say I was featured on Infowars, but they played a clip of me on Infowars and and other uh, other media outlets. Uh, Anna Kasparian's um, her own solo show, whatever it's called. Well, her solo show now is called uh, is called TYT because um, uh, Jank stepped down because he's running for Congress. Oh, I, I, I'm so, I'm out of the loop. I had no idea. 
Yeah. Where, where uh, that, in, that just in happened. L.A. or? Um, I don't know the district, but I, I would I mean, I don't know where he lives. He might not live in L.A. I, don't, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. We could look it up, but we're not going we're, to. No, nah, why waste our time? So um, you now last Monday night, I had a nice night with my wife listening to a podcast. Yeah, uh, I, I also guested on uh, on Jared Holt's shit post podcast um, for totally different there? reasons. Yeah, it was unrelated to the Groiper Wars. I was uh, brought in as uh, the expert on a, a pretty flash in the pan uh, Twitter event called Stakegate that I was at the center of, involving um, me creating a, a Photoshop hoax. Uh, about Dave Rubin's dinner that um, that took the internet by storm for about 48 hours. Yeah, a convoluted hoax. A convoluted hoax that um, I, I, me, Jared and I did undergo the, uh, the most exhaustive examination of you will find anywhere on the internet because no one had all the information. I'm the I'm the or, the architect of the hoax, so of course I had all the information. I spill the tea. I I, I read the back channel logs. Um, Names are named, fingers are pointed. Uh, I, I refer to it as the Warren Commission report of uh, of Stategate, which is is accurate. It's a, it's a blow by blow. There's one. My favorite part of the episode is when Jared Holt is like, "Anyways, so wrapping up," and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, "No, no, I have great. like ha- like the way more in, into this. I'm like I'm like at most halfway through." Right. I mean, he didn't. He hadn't even gotten. You guys hadn't even gotten into how mad Dave got. Or we didn't, didn't get, get into that, and we didn't get. We hadn't even broached. The 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 what I think is the most important part, which is that um, Dave Rubin tried to get this random Google employee. He 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 scapegoated this random Google employee and tried to get him fired. Exactly. He he was so not mad that he tried to get some random guy fired from his job, uh, including by repeatedly uh, uh, tagging his um, his employer Google and uh, suggesting that uh, this guy's. Uh, post was part of some like um, I would say vague but shadowy conspiracy to uh, to edit Dave Rubin's Google search results, um, which I actually would have liked to even talk more about. But but whatever. Uh, and by the way, um, uh, a, a Stategate update. Uh, so as far as I know, um, various media places reached out to they reached out to me, but they also reached out to. Um, to uh, Michael Saman, and I don't think anyone got in contact with him. And I reached out to Michael Saman on my own, and he never uh, replied to my to my DMs. But I talked to someone who will remain nameless, who did talk to Michael Saman. Michael Saman actually reached out to this person independently to to tell them his story, and he was legit, like really worried about losing his job. He it was like it caused a lot of anxiety for him. It wasn't a joke to him at all. So. Did it get to his uh, supervisor or anything like that? I, I don't know about that, um, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised because you know, yeah. I mean, it, it it got a decent amount of media traction. I don't, it wouldn't surprise me if it, if it found its way back. So he was legitimately worried about it. Uh, this guy, Dave Rubin, went around went around gunning for this guy, this random guy's job who did nothing wrong. Except he, like I said to Jared, the thing he did wrong is something. Every one of us has been guilty of at one point. He credulously repeated something he heard on the internet without, uh, you know, looking into it himself, which is something right. we're all, we've all been guilty of. Right. You don't get yeah. you don't try to get someone fired over it. It's a totally normal thing, unironically saying that it's just it's how the internet works. Yeah. 
So uh, yeah, so it's been uh, I've been I've been blown up. Uh, I'm all over the, the place. Uh, uh, yeah, so. Uh, All right, shall we get into The Hunt, the most yeah. controversial movie of the year? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, so Kyle, bring us bring us up to speed. What what is The Hunt? Uh, right, so The Hunt. Um, my so my uh, experience with The Hunt was that I remember seeing the previews um, during the summer. Probably, I think I saw it um, before Avengers. Maybe maybe before um, the Tarantino movie. I, I remember seeing seeing the trailers before uh, this controversy exploded. Now, I thought it looked it looked good. I, I tend to be a Blumhouse fan to begin with, so yeah, I, I was like, "Oh, a, I kind of like what Blumhouse does. Um, I like horror movies. I like uh, cheap horror movies that are short and move qu- quickly." Um, but this movie stuck out to me. The preview stuck out to me because it definitely seemed to have some kind of reactionary angle to it. Um, and now that might be be me like just having a knee jerk response because I definitely do that sometimes. Um, but I did pick up on some kind of like right wing sentiment when I watched the preview. Uh huh. So so you so your your takeaway from the, from the, from the trailer was that this was uh, a movie with kind of a right wing agenda. Yeah. The, in particular, there was one. Now you have told me that I remembered incorrectly, but I swear I saw a preview where they used the line um, "globalist elites." And that is a line in the screenplay, which we both read, correct? Uh, well, actually, I went back, and maybe it's in there, and I'm, I'm overlooking it, but they actually, it, we're going to come back to this later, probably, but they say globalist cucks. Oh, okay. And what, what, what do you remember the line being? Globalist elites. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, now, we should say that the, uh, the creative pedigree behind the movie, uh, including Damon Lindelof, the co-creator of Lost, and uh, director Craig Zobel are both pretty known to have uh, left w- left of center views that they're outspoken about. So and all, so does Jason Blum, I, b- I believe. Um, so yeah, you know, just keep L- that in Lindelof, mind. Lindelof has had a pretty like um, it seems like his career's been like pretty steady. He like he even though people tend to hate um, Lost because of the finale, he's consistent with high profile projects that tend to get like favorable somewhat favorable um, reviews. I'm going to watch one of those high high profile projects tonight, a uh, new episode of Watchmen tonight. So uh, so basically to summarize the movie, it's basically uh most dangerous game but uh with um with uh liberals versus conservatives where liberals are the hunters and conservatives are the prey. Uh is basically the high concept pitch behind behind the movie. Uh I was I was looking forward to it. Um, sounds like you were too. I was gonna see it. Yeah, I, I was. I, I was gonna see it. Yeah. We were both planning on seeing the movie when our hopes and dreams uh, were crushed. Uh, and well, not the, so suddenly. There was a lot of a commotion before the hopes and dreams were crushed. So, so take us through it. What happened? So now you you're gonna remember better than me because this you were paying closer attention. But at, around the same time, Tim Pool started having tantrums over this preview and then around the same time Trump Well made- there's actually one 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 news incident we should probably um probably start off with and that is the double shootings El Paso and Dayton on August 3rd which you know when these things happen people get a lot more sensitive about about gun violence understandably I don't think that's unreasonable 
And uh, the promotion of the movie, which was already going, you said you saw the, the trailer uh, in, in summer. So by August 3rd, the, the promotion of the, of the movie was already going. And the studio decided, or the distributor probably, just decided to, uh, to pull back on the advertising, which I don't have a problem with. I think that's a totally responsible and respectful thing to do. And it, it's not a, it's, it probably wasn't a hard choice because it was uh, August 3rd, and the release date of this movie was far in, in the future in, uh, in September 27th. Plenty of time to, uh, you know, roll out your advertising blitz after, you know, a respectful week or two of, uh, of media silence. Yeah, so and that in the timing, it's probably worth noting. I mean, we're, this is early August, and the movie was coming in that. Um, the release date of the movie was September twenty seventh, the last week of uh, of September. Right. So seven seven weeks in the future, almost two full months. That's pretty typical for like violent horror movies. That's like when when they tend to come out. It's around then or like you know midwinter. Right. Yeah. So the shootings happened, right? And then and then. Tim Pool. I mean, what? How many videos does Tim Pool do a day? Like, what? What? What is this volume of his output? He does like seven videos a day. It's a lot. And so on August seventh, Tim Pool does a video. Yeah. Now, now we should say that the whole week leading up to this, Fox News. I don't watch Fox News. I'm not a Fox News viewer. But from what I understand, there was pretty regular. Uh, news items on Fox News about this outrageous movie coming out that was telling liberals to go murder conservatives. This was absolutely an angle that Fox News and other right-wing media was pushing. Who is Blumhouse? What uh, studio are they associated with? Do you know who is distributing? Oh, uh, there, there probably is like a, a parent studio, but I, I actually don't know what it is. I just think of it as Blumhouse. I'm on the, the uh, IMDb page right now. I can see if there's anything... Oh man, they've they've started to lock down IMDb, man. A lot of their features, uh, uh, Box Office Mojo, which is owned by IMDb, is like this too now. A lot of their features that you used to be able to go to are uh, are behind a paywall now. They're with Universal. Oh, it is. Okay. I wonder if it, if Fox had any big horror movies coming out that weekend. That's actually a good angle to explore, and it wouldn't surprise me because we're we're talking about late September. September? That's when the Halloween season starts. Uh, they're probably. I, I would actually be interested in following up on that as well. I'm looking it up to see if I can find anything real quick. Nothing like, uh, oh, this is so weird. What does it say? There was another Blumhouse movie scheduled for that weekend called Prey. Fair. That's that's confusing. I, I think that that might have been a, a, a bad move on the part of their marketing. I don't want to tell people how to do their job, but uh, I don't know if you should release uh, a movie called The Hunt and a movie called The Prey on the same day. Anyway, okay, so we'll follow up on that. And so that does that bring us to Tim Pool then? Yeah. So uh, so all week, Fox News and other right wing media outlets, Breitbart definitely definitely ran articles as well. R- ran uh, articles fear mongering uh, about this movie. And then on August seventh, Tim Pool drops his video. And what does he say in it? The video is called "New Movie Shows Liberal Elites Kidnapping and Hunting." Hunting is in all caps. Hunting Trump supporters. And uh, Tim Pool uh, has a few things to say uh, about about this movie. Hold on, I'm going to play a clip. At least the hunt's coming up. Nothing better than going out to the manor and slaughtering a dozen deplorables. That's a line in a movie they thought was appropriate to come out right now, especially with everything happened. Pull the movie. Seriously, I mean, look, man, I'm, 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 not, uh, I'm not saying the movie should be pulled, necessarily. Uh, pause I'm not saying that it, pause it. <laughs> Pull the movie. I'm not saying the movie should be pulled necessarily. What a bunch of horseshit. Talk about having it both ways. Pull the movie. I'm not saying the movie should be pulled necessarily. Okay, just... 
entertain a thought experiment with for me for a second. What if Anita Sarkeesian had a video where she said, pull the video game. I'm not saying pull the video game. What would people make of that? Yeah, they'd say that she's arguing for a video game to be pulled. They would call just... her a censor. Yeah. They would call her a censor and they would be, uh, they would be correct. All right, hit play. <laughs> okay, hold on. Necessarily because I'm offended by it. I'm saying it because I think it's going to, to make people, it's going to escalate everything. You know what? Don't pull the movie. I have no idea. I have no idea. Let the movie happen. Pause it. Yeah. You know what? Don't pull the movie. I have no idea. I just want to point something. That, that when I play this clip and I post it on, on Twitter, and it's got, I've gotten a lot of interaction with it on Twitter, when the Tim Pool uh, shitheads come out and defend their hero here, they, they try to make it out like Tim quickly reversed himself. He did no such thing. Tim never reversed himself. The, the furthest he gets away from it is, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, congratulations, Tim. You just called for censorship. Press play. I feel like it's dominoes falling over. Everything we're seeing just can't be stopped. But I'll tell you what, man. There are going to be people who see this. Crazy people who take it seriously. And they're going to panic and be like, the Hollywood elites are telling us what they think. Let's read on. Uh, stop. Stop. Pause. Okay. All right. The movie is going to incite people to go out and kill people. That is Tim Pool's angle on this movie. The film is dangerous. It ne it's going to incite violence. Tim's take on this movie is absolutely no different than uh, the, those hand-wringing Joker takes. It's Tipper Gore level bullshit. And I would say Tim's hysteria here is beyond any, any, anything I, I read about the Joker in, a, in any like mainstream media publications. By, by quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Uh, maybe I, maybe I have to I have to walk that back because there was like there there was that story about how like um, there was a a four chan post saying that, that people were going to go out and, and kill people at the jo at the Joker. But what's weird about that story, if you remember it, is that it was actually broken. But like it is the the story first appeared in um, I think it's called Stars and Stripes, the military magazine. So the story, that story actually originated from, from the military magazine, not uh, any kind of like liberal left of center uh, mainstream publication, which is, I feel like, a, an angle of the story that, uh, that, was, uh, that was overlooked. Sure. But yeah, um, yeah, he, uh, he definitely, he sounds like a hand-wringing Joker liberal. He sounds like a clown, man. Yeah, yeah. He sounds like he a total clown. All right. Uh, so Tim Pool totally clowning August 7th. Now, two days later, Friday, August 9th, the real shit drops. Yeah, so this is when the president gets involved. President Donald J. Trump pops off on the hunt. Yeah, uh, on August 9th at 2.44 p.m. Get his uh, ass. He, uh, he got their ass. He said, and correct me if this is not the right one, but here's what I'm looking at. Liberal Hollywood is racist at the highest level and with great anger and hate. They like to call themselves elite, in quotes, but they are not elite, capitalized. In fact, it There's is- There's random capitalization all, all over here. Racist is capitalized, anger is capitalized, hate's capitalized, it's, all, it's crazy. That's true. In fact, it is often the people that they so strongly oppose that are actually the elite. Well, that's nice of him to say that. The movie coming out is made in order to inflame and cause chaos. They create their own violence and then try to blame others. They are the true racists and are very bad for our country. 
Okay, so according to the President of the United States, the movie is racist, it's going to create violence, it's going to cause chaos, and it's bad for our country, and for some reason, country is capitalized. That's the President of the United States, August 9th. Pretty, uh, pretty weird. It's, it's a strong statement by the President of the United States. I, I've thought yeah. about this, and, and I can't offhand think of another time that someone, as president, went to the media and declared a, commercial, a commercially released movie as dangerous and bad for the country. Right, and it's based on the preview. I'm assuming that his office hadn't watched the full movie? I think it's safe to assume that both him, his office... And the Fox News pundits had not seen the film at this time or read the screenplay. I think that's that is a safe that's it. That's a safe assumption to me. I guess I can, I can think of um, of two incidents that, that during the Obama administration that bear mentioning. One would be uh, with North Korea when um, oh, when yeah. they were re- there was that hack of Sony at the at around the time that they were releasing that. Uh, that uh, Seth Rogen and uh, uh, James Franco, brother of the, of Dave Franco, the show's patron saint, yeah, get it right. Uh, called the interview, I think it was called. Yes, and that that was a uh, that movie found itself in the middle of like a, a genuine international incident. But I went and looked, and uh, Barack Obama uh, very specifically said that Sony should have released the movie. He criticized them after they pulled it uh, for uh, for caving in. And in fact, I even you can, if you Google this, you even find uh, like Breitbart uh, like uh, like dragging Obama for for that statement, saying that he was he was in the wrong. So he actually received criticism for it. Now, I would not be surprised if behind the scenes, the 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 Obama administration was saying something very different. I wouldn't surprise me at all if State Department sure. people were actually putting pressure on Sony behind the scenes to, to release it, and then Obama gets in front of cameras and says, oh, you, or, or sorry, putting pressure to not release it, and then Obama gets in front of cameras. I'm not trying to make Obama the hero of this. I'm just saying that it's, there, this is, that incident is not a precedent for the President of the United States using his office to call for the canceling of a movie. Uh, the other incident that I guess bears mentioning is, um, has to do with Benghazi. That might even have been the same year, come to think of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me look it up. The interview. Oh, the interview. Uh, that was like 12. It says 2014. Oh. And I know Benghazi was, um, was 2012 because it was right around the time of the 2012 election. Um, and so the, the Benghazi affair, when it first came out, people kind of forget about this, but there was some YouTube video that was initially blamed for the Benghazi riots and killing. Do you remember that? Okay. No. Well, it's extremely convoluted, and I don't remember the details. Well, what? Uh, so, what was what was the censorship aspect to it? Well, there was this YouTube movie. Hold on, I'm gonna. Okay, there was a YouTube video called "The Innocence of Muslims." That uh, oh contains... yeah yeah yeah. I had a friend yeah. that was just talking to me about that. I had never heard of it until a few weeks ago. Really, that's interesting. What was your friend telling you about it? Oh, um, I, I have a friend who's got a funny sense of humor, and he just um, he asked me if I'd ever seen it because he thinks it's funny, and so he showed it to me. Real, I'm, I'm surprised it's where where was it posted? It's on YouTube. Oh, that's interesting because I think they took it down for for a time, but I'm sure a, a lot of people mirrored it. Yeah, uh, no, so uh, he told me that it incited all kinds of violence. Is what his words that it was like that it um, 
That's interesting. A lot of stuff Uh, happened. I forget if I've actually seen this, but you watched it recently. So what's your takeaway from it? It's, I mean, it's, uh, it's gobbledygook. It's just like, it's, it's incoherent. I mean, it seems like someone made it either to like piss off Muslim people or to, I mean, yeah, it, it seems like someone made it to piss off Muslim people, but it's just like, um, it's so poorly done and it's nonsensical. Yeah, yeah. I remember that hearing a lot about that. I, I probably did watch it, but I, I just don't remember for sure if I, if I watched it at the time. Uh, this was an re- incredibly like convoluted story, uh, but what I do know is that uh, Barack Obama did like condemn the movie in some in some fashion uh, after Benghazi happened and said that it, it was to blame in some way. Uh, but however, this is not a, a commercially released movie, and that that's really a... I'm not saying that that's good or bad. I'm just saying that it's it's a, it's a different scenario that I don't think we really need to get to. Yeah, it is very. I mean, this that Muslim, whatever it's called, the Innocent to Muslims. It's like um, it's like someone did it, like something on the level of like the Room, but even worse, and just put it on YouTube. It's like it's it's bizarre to me that um, like I didn't even know until just a moment ago that um, that the U.S. state that Barack Obama got involved at some point. What we're talking about with the hunt is totally different. It's a, it's a, it's a big release. Yeah, yeah. So Trump condemns the movie, calls it racist, says it's bad for the country on August 9th. August 10th, Universal Pictures cancels release of the hunt following mass shootings and criticism from President Trump. I'm reading that uh, that Time headline on Tim Pool's feed, and his uh, his his commentary is. Whoa. After participating <laughs> yeah. in a cancel culture mob, his commentary is, whoa. Yeah, not much to say there, huh? There's not much to say. I do want to say that if you talk about this, that angle that, oh, it follows mass shootings uh, comes up a lot and people attempt to sidestep the issue and say that actually what happened is uh, the studio decided to pull the movie because of the mass shootings that happened on August 3rd. And that line is bullshit. And the timeline contradicts it. It's total horseshit, and the timeline contradicts it uh, for two reasons. One, the shootings happened on August 3rd, and the film's release was August 7th. That is incorrect. The release date of The Hunt was actually September 27th, 2019. You're telling me if we have a mass shooting, you can't release a violent movie in theaters for two months? And How many many mass shootings do we get per year, and how many violent movies? That's a great question, Kyle, and I know the answer. The answer is more than once a day. In the United States of America, we have more than one mass shooting per day average. And they've never pulled a movie because of a mass shooting. Never happened. Never happened. Two... So apparently, if there's two mass shootings in one day, it's it, you're not allowed to release a violent movie for seven weeks. Eight weeks, however, is fine because the Joker came out that week. Right. Total horseshit. Complete bullshit. And if this were China or Iran where this happened, everyone would be calling this what it is. This was state-sponsored censorship. There's no other word for this. Yeah, Do not absolutely. let anyone tell you that anything happened here other than state-sponsored censorship called on by Trump uh, and his minions in the media, like Fox News, Breitbart, and Tim Pool. That's true. Absolutely true. So they had a planned release date, September 27th, canceled indefinitely. Canceled. The film, we're talking about this like two months later. It's the end of November. It's almost two full months later. This film does not have a release date. It doesn't have a video release. It has nothing. This film has been buried. I do expect we'll see it. I'm, I would be very surprised if it, if it never got like a video release or something. It'll, but that yeah, doesn't matter. This is still censorship. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, uh, 
It's state influence on, um, you know, movies. We love to go to the movies. It's state influence on you know movies. Uh, And what I think the part of this story that I find most frustrating is that at this same time, America's been having this big conversation about cancel culture. And uh, if you talk to people about uh, about cancel culture, one of the examples they'll give you is the Joker. They'll talk about, oh, the, oh there were a lot of uh, takes about the Joker that were calling for it to saying it was going to incite violence. And yeah, I, I read those takes. Th- those were absolutely there. And those were also horseshit. But surely the hunt is a much more prominent and better example of, co- of cancel culture. The movie actually was canceled. Right, the Joker came out and made a bit. It made a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah, who's talking about the hunt now? Nobody. They canceled it. Yeah, it's it's been completely er, uh, erased from from our memory. There was a media blackout. No one, it, it, center media, mainstream media, left media, no one covered this. No one talked about it. I I sent messages and and tweets to various people I know in the media trying to get some coverage of this, and no one. I mean, a lot of places ran stories ab- about it in one way or another, but it just didn't. It just didn't crack the national consciousness. It didn't have any kind of momentum behind it. And there's a, a, another part of this, too. Donald Trump Jr. is going around peddling a movie, a, a book called Triggered, that is about, <laughs> yeah. among other things, cancel culture. He went on The View. I watched his appearance on The View, and he and he said, yeah, you know, one of the things this book is about is cancel culture. And he listed two examples of cancel culture, and they were Bill Burr's comedy special on Netflix – and Dave Chappelle's comedy special on Netflix. Both of those were hugely successful. Right. I haven't seen either of them. I don't know, but they're both, they came out, they're hugely successful. People like them. They had no problem getting released. Meanwhile, his dad leads a cancel campaign successfully against this movie and gets it canceled. Yeah, sounds hypocritical. It sounds a little hypocritical. And there, he's on The View, a supposed left of... This is this is the, the liberal media, and no one says anything. None of these people on The View have any pushback on this. They just move on to the next subject. Yeah, that's a um, missed opportunity for Joy Behar. They, they let the conversation get dominated by... By Joy Behar wearing uh, blackface, supposedly in 1979, steamrolled. The liberal media steamrolled by hucksters and con artists and liars. So um, now, what is this about the Kingsman? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, just that uh, there was kind of a, a related, a similar sort of incident that happened uh, in the middle of October, where um, uh, there was some kind of possibly related to the Trump campaign Republican event where um, a, a YouTube video played that was, it was footage of, it was a scene from a movie I, I've seen called The Kingsman, uh, where uh, Colin Firth uh, murders dozens of people in a, uh, in a church. Yeah. Um, and I know, Colin I know Firth, what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Colin Firth, uh, the the video maker put Trump's face over it, over it over him and all the uh, the 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 church people he's he's killing they all have the face of first like media outlets like CNN and in one very unfortunate frame Black Lives Matter which is not a media outlet but then they put the face of actual uh, politicians like Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and in one ex- probably the most tasteless part of, of the video 
uh, Donald Trump murders uh, John McCain, a guy who's actually dead, which really took takes it to the next level. Yeah. Um, it looks like, isn't it one of those, it's so cheesy looking, it has to be one of those Carpe Donctum uh, productions, right? It is, yeah, it, it is that guy. Um, although he didn't make it, he has like people, I guess, who work for him. I guess he's like a, a media production company now. So, so someone within his media production house made this. I actually really like the cheesy... Um, the cheesy animation of it because like he just finds some really like great facial expressions for uh for everyone that are like li- like it's 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 legitimately like funny like especially Trump's face during during all of it so that was a, an an incident in October that kind of got i don't know it was kind of similar there's there's overlap tim pool himself actually um made reference to uh talked about it and made reference to the hunt he said uh this is October 14th. I've learned a few things today talking about um, this video and the reaction it got in the media. One, journalists have never seen the movie The Kingsman. The Kingsman came out like seven years ago. It's not really a very well-remembered movie. Uh, and oh. two, journalists are just now learning of a video that is over a year old, which I guess is why um, John McCain is featured getting murdered in it, because he was alive oh, at the time, I guess. Oh, okay. And three, it's a YouTube video. The story is that who cares? And then in the second tweet, I think the video is inappropriate in many ways. I agree with some things and I disagree with others. I made that part up. But it, but, and this is really in the tweet, but is it any more inappropriate than the movie The Hunt? Um, (laughs) Oh my God. So he's just immediately just pivoting back, somehow pivoting back to some Trump apologia and again throwing the hunt under the bus and conveniently omitting the fact that he personally led a cancel campaign against the hunt. Wow, Tim. So you saw this uh, this Kingsman video with Trump, right? Yep. It was like, I don't know. I mean, I understand why there's an uproar over it. It's like... Yeah, it's, it's my, bad my, taste. It's it, and you expect an uproar, an outcry against stuff like this and bad taste. But it's like it was a meme video, you know. Yeah, my, my opinion on it is directly related to how close in proximity this event actually was to uh to Trump. Because you, if you see a, a video like that on YouTube, you know you just forget about it two minutes later, like two minutes after you watch it, just completely out of your mind. Whereas if the president of the United States came out on, on, uh, on stage and was like, Hey, check out this great video. And it's him murdering his political enemies. Yeah. I would be extremely disturbed by that. So it's uh, to me, it's, it's entirely about its proximity to the president. And this was, I mean, the guy, the, the donkdom guy, Mm -hmm. he's, He's met the president. He he was at uh, a a uh, a media bash at the White House that Tim Pool attended as well. So it's kind of got his blessing, basically. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, another thing is that I don't think that the event was um, really an official Trump campaign event, but Donald Trump Jr. was there, and so that just creates there's enough of a connection that I think merits. I don't know some kind of media scrutiny, although I don't I don't really think it's particularly a big deal. I, I also. When I first read about the story, I sort of imagined it playing like on stage. But from what I understand, that wasn't really the the setting, which, again, makes it all the more inconsequential. So I don't really think that was a a, a major event or, or anything I, I would particularly be concerned about. Uh, I just kind of threw it in there because it because it reminded me a little bit of the hunt. And also because Tim Pool himself drew the uh, drew the comparison. Do you want to talk about the screenplay? Yeah, we should uh, talk about that. So almost all of the the media panic about 
this movie, The Hunt, uh, was from people who didn't see it, which neither have we, and probably didn't read the screenplay. However, Kyle and I have downloaded and uh, read uh, one of the drafts floating around uh, of The Hunt. Uh, I read it kind of a while ago, so I, I, my memory is not super sharp. Uh, you, That's all right. I think um, it'll come back to you. It's like it's a pretty fast moving and like there's I mean, there's not a lot of depth to it. Yeah. So the draft that we read, it doesn't actually have the line deplorables in it. The, the line in this draft is I think it says rednecks, right? Uh, there's definitely rednecks. I didn't real I didn't pick up on that, that it doesn't say deplorables. Yeah, because there's two drafts and one of them. You're right, says yeah. deplorables and one of them doesn't and ours did not does not ha- contain the phrase deplorables they just say rednecks and later on in the screenplay there is a uh, a reference there's a callback to it where they say the r word and they mean rednecks which is uh kind of funny so uh, yeah I, I don't have too much to say about this other than like what are, what are some quick thoughts you had about uh about like the the screenplay in general or no they don't have to be quick whatever well, Go off, King. So before like we get into the like the the more loaded content, it's written in this style that I don't know. I'm not really crazy about the the style. It's um it's very informal, and the writer is talking to the audience a lot and p- kind of doing this like Deadpool style meta thing. Um, I'm glad you brought this up because it's, I've I've actually read others of uh, Damon Lindelof's scripts. And this is something that he does a lot. He really over narrates in in the action lines, and in fact, yeah. again and again, he does this thing that they tell you not to do in in film school, which is convey information directly through action lines. Because if you do that, the audience doesn't have any way of knowing. Oh, there's some there's one thing about uh, the main character's like background that explains that she was like brought up by like survivalist parents, but it's only explained by action lines. So there's if you're watching this in a movie. In the theater, there's no way that information is going to be conveyed. Yeah, I mean, I think that for someone like Damon Lindelof, who is established in Hollywood, um, it gives him more control over the end product because it will allow him to dictate what ends up on the screen to convey those action points. That that's actually a pretty interesting. That's a that's a good point. I hadn't thought of thought of it that way. And he co-wrote this with uh, one of his writers um, from Left Behind. Who actually is uh, Carlton Cuse's son? His his uh, co showrunner from Lost. Wait, so they keep uh, it in the family. Back up a second. What's uh, Left Behind? Left Behind. You watch Left Behind? I haven't seen it. It's that HBO show with um. Oh, the leftovers. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Left Behind is that is that Christian <laughs> uh, End Times movie uh, starring um Kirk Cameron? No, yeah. This is totally different. It's called Left Behind. Or left leftovers, <laughs> leftovers, and yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's called the leftovers. Not it's not called left behind at all. Don't say that. It's called uh, the leftovers, and it's an HBO show that um, that uh, Damon Lindelof created and wrote for for HBO. I said HBO yeah. twice, but what have you? I don't um, know anything about and, uh, Nick Cuse's um, politics. I know we we've mentioned that Damon Lindelof is kind of like your Hollywood liberal, I guess. But I don't know anything yeah. about Nick Hughes. Neither do I. I know that um, another of uh, Car- Damon Lindelof's uh, writing partners, uh, Bob Orsi, is a far right wing nine uh, eleven truther. But I don't know anything about Nick Nicholas Hughes or Carlton Hughes for that matter. Orsi worked on Star Trek, right? Yeah, Orsi. Um, Orsi was the Trek guy in the room. Everyone else, uh, from J.J. Abrams to Lam- Damon Lindelof, wasn't really a Trek fan. But Orsi was the guy, and his he and his writing partner Alex Kurtzman were yeah they worked on Star Trek, and Kurtzman actually works is doing the Picard show I believe, but Orsi's not involved. Orsi was going to direct the um, the uh, third installment that was eventually directed by uh, 
the Fast and Furious guy. Uh, one other style point, I, I think it's a strong point in the script, is that it it does the script does move. It's a page turner, and it doesn't. I I didn't really like. Um, I read it pretty quickly one afternoon, and I like. It's very clear. It's kind of creative in some ways. It's it it pulls like um. It's tricky. I don't know. Like, it's kind of a gimmick. We'll get into that in a little bit, but um, it plays with like who is the protagonist a little bit. Yeah, I mean the the big thing about the Hunt screenplay is that it has a political bias. That well, I, I just a- wanted to say, to say to say real quick about the pacing. It was a little too fast paced for me because I, I was kind of looking forward to one. I wanted to see like the characters have to work together, and there really isn't any of that, or at least not enough for me in the film. And also, I was sort of looking forward to like learning what kind of deplorable everyone was like um emma roberts is in it and i was like oh she'll be like a tammy lauren type and uh ethan supley is in it and i was like oh he's gonna be like a alex jones type i don't know why i thought this I, my head just went there so i wanted to see like all the like and you know like especially me like a student of like you know weird personalities in in media you know i like the possibilities are endless you can have a dave rubin guy you can have a jordan peterson guy you can have uh, a Tucker Carlson guy, you know, all these like, like really cartoon, I think already very cartoonish personalities would be great to have in a movie. And it seemed to me like almost no one got, uh, any real, uh, character development, uh, at all. Uh, the main character um, of the movie, I can't, you learn almost nothing about her. It's, it's actually kind of incredible how little you actually learn about this character yeah, uh, in the course she of, the, barely, of the screenplay. She barely earns the victory just to emphasize your point about how it's like the script moves really fast she kind of just like she knows how to like kill people you don't you don't really see her struggle too much um and then when she when she finds the the camp of the bad guys um she just like like they sound like they might be like interesting and funny yeah they they, they were like they, they were more what i was talking about like funny type of personalities i agree I'm guessing that Glenn Howerton was one of them. He seems like he right, was yeah. Fit. So yeah, the movie it has it has a a, a right leaning um, political bias, and it's it's there right from the opening scene. So in, so so the 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 narrative in in like Fox News and Tim Pool is that this is a a left wing movie um, because it's about the way they arrived at that is very strange. They decided that the hunters were the protagonists where I think most people would assume the hunted are the protagonists. But uh, you, you actually thought it had a, a right-wing bias? How so? Yes, yes. Because, um, so I mean, the basic gist of the story, we've already talked about how it's, um, you know, rich people hunting uh, these, these whatever they are, um, deplorables. Um, the rich people are liberal elites um, and we are... In the, in this story, we are meant to sympathize with and see the story from the perspective of the people being hunted, the um, deplorables. And so the, the use of the term deplorables or redneck is, you know, it's meant to portray that the elites are bad people because they look down on on the, de- the deplorable rednecks. And it's, it's not a story that uh, intends to say, like, go out and, and kill... Um, Trump voters. No, it's a story that 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 says like, oh, the 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 elites are uh, are very out of touch and um, and malicious. Right is is what I would say co- comes across. Would that be yeah. fair? Yeah, right. And it, it per- and it portrays them as being um, solely liberal in their politics. Right. It, yeah. It goes. And, it goes and, to well, some. It, it's even more. It, it's really 
they they hate the president who's unnamed. They don't ever say Trump, but the the rat fucker in chief, as the screenplay uh, refers to him. And um, they're very mad about the election. Those two things are really what we learned about their politics from what I remember. I don't remember anything more specific. Oh, they flesh that out a little bit with other things. Like, uh, for example, one of them is vegan and makes a big deal okay. about, about whether his food is coming to him on the air, on his private jet, whether it's <laughs> vegan or not. Um, he wa- he, wa- uh, he wants his soy he wants his soy latte and he wants it now. God damn it! Yep. Um, I'm just ad libbing. I'm just ad libbing here. That's not um, in, the, in the movie. There's a, there's a couple, a man and a woman who have a conversation at one point about like someone being racist and oh no, uh, yeah and so like they they go to some lengths to like to make sure that they're not being racist and to condemn this like um, some racist comment um, yeah so like the so the script is kind of like laughing at them for being SJWs. Oh no! Did they um, call someone out for a microaggression? Is there someone in the screenplay who uh, who, who identifies as an Apache helicopter? That would be a, probably a good joke that um, I don't know Ethan Suppley's character might make. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, no. It shouldn't be a joke someone makes. There should be a character who's who, who's like, "Hey, uh, you, Mister Man," and he's like, "Excuse me, did you just assume my gender? I actually identify as uh, as a Ferris wheel. How dare you?" Yeah, that's Hillary Hillary Swank. Yeah, they could they they missed out on an opportunity to to put that in the movie. They should have they should have consulted with Andrew Doyle to flesh out the uh, the lib characters. Andrew Doyle is the is the British creator of of Titania McGrath, who has me blocked oh, on Twitter because he, he, right. he's yeah, triggered. I, I couldn't put that together. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, blocked on Twitter because he's triggered. So so I, I want to address the the the, the right wing bias of the film because yeah, yeah. that's true. But the thing is. A couple shoes drop throughout the film, I think it's fair to say. I think there's a couple twists and turns. I really like most of the twists and turns. One of them, probably the, the first twist that comes, is it's it kind of seems like the protagonist, they might have the wrong person. Uh, the idea is that, that yeah. they uh, abducted uh, people who are online and are uh, deplorables, but... Um, the the character says that no, you actually just uh, confused me for uh, someone from my town who has the same name as me. Yeah, you got the uh, wrong I get, bitch. <laughs> I, I I get her mail all the time, and uh-huh. the the movie leaves it sort of open ended. But the clues really point to uh, her telling the truth there. Like we like the there's a part where the the Hillary Swank character uh, says like, oh, I know everything about you, blah 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 blah, and she gives her bio. And what little we know of this character, it doesn't really line up. Like, we, we learn that she has military experience. This char- the character she's describing doesn't have any military experience. She doesn't mention that. The, uh, the broken home and, like, drug addict parents. What we learn about this character is that she had, like, um, like survivalist parents who, like, taught her, like, a lot mm, of what she knows. It doesn't, it doesn't line up at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the other thing is that, so, I guess we, we can't, we... We can't get into this without explaining the big, uh, the big twist. Um, Kyle, do you want to give a, a, a crack at the big twist? Um, well, okay, so I'm guessing that the big twist... So one of the characters who's been abducted, he, he does some um, plot, like explaining some exposition. He, exposition. Exposition. He lays it out that these elites do this thing called the hunt where they they routinely abduct it's called man uh, kyle kyle it's called manor gate 
Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. They do this thing called Manor Gate, where they routinely abduct people and hunt them for sport. The movie yeah. is about Pizzagate. This is important. Right. We learn at the end that the whole movie has been about Pizzagate. And in the beginning of the film, this is, we didn't explain this, but I got to do a little bit of exposition. In the beginning of the movie, we are reading texts from like the, uh, the evil lib, lib people back and forth about how they're going to hunt and kill uh, deplorables and how much they love to do that every year. Uh, go. So, yeah, so that's the setup. You have it in the back of your mind throughout the whole thing that um that they're part of this thing that happens called manor gate where they hunt deplorables and the big twist is so there's this one woman who's kind of like the lead she's in charge she's played i think by hillary swank was probably gonna play her uh yes, interesting that, according to the trailer uh, that was the hillary swank character right interesting casting uh Choosing an actress named Hillary. Um, yeah, other, so, other people put those to put the, connected those dots, but I feel like you don't hire an actress based on her first name. I think it's just a coincidence. Personally. Happy accident. Yeah. So so um, so she's the she, she's the head um, boss lady, and um, so in the final showdown between um, these two bad bitches, Hillary Swank and um, Amy Madigan, I think it was going to be. I don't remember. Her no, it's not. It's not Amy Madigan. It's um, I don't remember her name, but she's on. She's on the Allison Brie show, and she's also married to the director as well. Uh, okay. I forget her name. Betty Gilpin. Sorry, le- sorry, lead actress. It's Betty Gilpin. They have this final showdown where they kick each other's asses, and um, and the bad uh, Hillary Swank lady says. We never had a manor gate. That was never really a thing that happened. Uh, we just wait. What? What was? What's the deal? They? Why did they take these people in? So, so, so here's the here's the thing. Okay, so in the beginning of the movie, when we're reading these text messages, those are text messages that were uh, stolen. I don't think they explain how it happened. And yeah, they, they leaked them. To yeah. the, they wiki leaked them. Yes. So those text messages are the uh, John Podesta emails what we're reading at the beginning is the john podesta emails and now think about this right like imagine if i took all of your private you know correspondence and i just released it to the public there's going to be a lot of stuff there uh maybe someone maybe someone has has a recipe for uh walnut sauce or something that if read by strangers might be taken literally or misconstrued in some way Right. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, what you're reading is uh, is some jokes between friends that aren't supposed to be public, but they were stolen and released to the public for public scrutiny. And some people sort of uh, maybe formed some some wrong leap to some conclusions based on what was released. So the manor gate that we read about in the beginning of the film. It's just a joke between friends, but it was taken seriously. Right. And so that's who they said, well, we need to round up these people who are taking this seriously. And- well, f- well, the, f- the first thing that happened was they all got fired from their jobs because it was it, they embarrassed the people they were uh, associated with. That's the first thing that happened. So these are like rich, powerful people, and uh, they all got fired from their jobs. And so they get really bitter about it, and they're very angry. So they decide that the... Um, what they do is is uh, a classic uh, own the chuds move. 
they're like, oh, well, you know, uh, if uh, if everyone online is saying that I'm this uh, this uh, adrenoch- adrenochrome satanic monster. Well, guess what? Uh, I'm going to do it. Uh, happy now? Oh, I'm just going to yeah. go out and, uh, and do Manorgate now. I'm going to abduct people and kill them. Oh, oh, happy now? I guess this is what you wanted, right? And they've owned the chuds. So this is a – they've done the perfect owning the libs, owning the ch- – slash owning the chuds, same thing, move that we've all seen a million times. And what I really like about that, what really clicks about that in the movie is this is a phenomenon – I've seen again and again. I feel like if enough people say something about you online, you start to conform to it. What, I what's swear, the first I can't one think, that you think of. Um, okay, when AOC came on the scene, I don't remember her talking about like intersectional like identity politics as much as she does now. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember her being much more like policy and like oh you know like economic policy, and it seemed like she kind of switched and and she's like. I don't know, like Yas Queening for like SNL skits now and, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. It seems like she kind of starts to conform to the caricature of her that people laid out. Okay, that's a good example. Thank you. So, did you make your point there? Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I summed it up. Yeah, right. So, um, no, are you pushing back on what on my assertion that it's a right wing leading movie? Yeah, I, I, I am because I, I think that what the movie is really about at the end i mean yeah you can't get over it you, there's no getting around the fact that the villains are all conservative are all liberal but i'll point out that we don't actually know that the hero is conservative we don't really learn enough to say about that now there are very much right-wing signifiers about her survivalism she's from i think alabama they say or mississippi one of them they say uh she has military experience all these to be sure uh right-wing signifiers but the thing is when the, when the other characters who are not portrayed in a particularly sympathetic, they're they're pretty much bumbling oafs for the most part. Yeah. When those characters are talking about Manorgate, she's never even heard of this, and that's another clue that I think they she was telling the truth when they said when she said they had the wrong person because she does not seem to know what Manorgate is. She's never heard of Pizzagate. The 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 the, the, the her reaction to Manorgate is identical. To when I talk to my coworkers at my job about Pizzagate, like just the the complete blank, like confusion is exactly what I run into when whenever I bring up Pizzagate at my uh, professional setting job. Uh, now, but the script itself, I think it um, maybe it's maybe it's maybe I, what I'm my what I'm thinking of is just an emphasis of what we've already discussed, but it kind of um, it, so the whole tortoise and hare um, metaphor that. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So there's a there's a um I think it's the lead the lead um pro tag. Uh she, she tells a story about how her grandmother or some great aunt or someone used to tell her a story about the tortoise and the hare and she get goes into a lot of detail about just the But, but know, the the point is the ending. Yeah, the point is the ending is that even though in the what and, and I was so confused by this. I, I I still don't know if I get it or. So it's tortoise. It's tortoise and the hare. But at the end, after the tortoise beats the hare in a race, the hare comes to the tortoise's house with a hammer and brutally murders the tortoise and says, "Bitch, I win every time," or something like that. So, like, what does that mean in the context of this screenplay? Well, that's a good question. And, and uh, since I, I totally had forgotten about that part of the story, uh, I, I'm not a great person to answer it. Um, but. I, I guess it's uh, maybe the point of the story is 
we're supposed to figure out who's the tortoise and who's the hare. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I because I was reading it as like a right leaning, um, a, a right leaning story, a right leaning script. I was kind of like interpreting the tortoise and hare thing as like, um, like Americans win, like. it's 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 obviously a pull yourself up by the bootstraps narrative yeah like um like americans beat the jewish cabal like we we won't be interfered with by like george soros um elites yeah i i i guess that there's there's that um i might be like i'm totally lost by it to be honest i i admit like i might be looking too hard for like um you know a reactionary perspective in it but i i saw it there so so what's the what's the reactionary j- just that the US is the hare and the US always wins. But the movie's just about Americans versus Americans though. The the original title for this movie by the way was Red State Blue State. Yeah, right. So how is it about Amer- like America versus the world? Cuz I feel like the movie doesn't really have any kind of like international No, you're right. It's it. well just because um typically liberal elites like um vegan SJWs are Uh-huh. They're like Cucks. uh Beta yeah, Cox. Yeah. They're they're associated with cultural Marxists. Okay. Well, I'm not I'm not convinced on this on this tortoise and the hair story, but we'll uh, we'll okay. stay with the story as it's developing, I guess. Yeah, I think um, I think it's important to kind of like back back up from it, take a you know zoom out a little bit and look at it and and think about what does this message really um, does it propagate any kind of you know violence against. Um, against conservatives, against chuds, against Trump voters? Well, uh, I would have to say that is a definite no, because uh, everyone in the movie who uh, does uh, does Antifa violence to, they're all Antifa and they're doing Antifa violence to uh, to uh, MAGA, uh, MAGA deplorables, um, they're all uh, bad people and they all meet a grotesque demise. Right. And the, I don't know if it was in the preview, like there's a there's kind of like a comedic um, aspect to the whole thing, too. Like what what part specifically? You know, the Antifa liberal elites like they are they're stumbling buffoons when they when they get snuck up on and murked by um, the main character. They have like there's this one guy with them who's like he obviously despises them. But he so he's this like uh, ex-military guy who knows. Oh, yeah, yeah. To, he knows how to use guns and stuff, and he knows like self defense, yep. and he's some kind of trained assassin or something. Yeah, he's he's an employee of, of the of the liberal elites. He's basically their guide. They hire him, and they're sitting around this campfire, and they like start tripping over themselves, um, and like it seemed like the scene would have been shot kind of slapstick style. There seems it seems like there's physical comedy at the expense of the the elites. The um the the gas station scene is uh is pretty comedic too, I found. Yeah. And I personally I found the end really funny. Like I I found the the twist uh the Pizzagate twist at the end just to be just, it made me laugh. Maybe that's because I'm a student of Pizzagate, so you know, it was really <laughs> speaking my language. I I say I'm a student of Pizzagate, but I really don't like things that uh that in any way kind of um kind of promote it like even when on on chapo when matt christman is like pizzagate is real even that's a little too far for me it just kind of bugs me to be promoting a a completely stupid conspiracy theory like this i actually went and um uh listened to you um, went to uh comet ping pong i I went to comet ping pong and investigated the basement for myself uh but i went to uh youtube 
and uh, found a, a supercut of all of the um, the Pizzagate uh, episodes of uh, Come Town in a in a giant four hour uh, uh, supercut, which there's actually two parts to. I have not heard part two, but it's also four hours long. So there's okay. eight hours of a uh, Come Town. Um, oh my god! Uh, Pizzagate content and. Even that stuff, and like Come Town is not a serious podcast, but even that stuff is like too far from me because Nick Nick Mullen is actually pretty credulous towards all this. There's one part where where he's he's talking about how uh, like oh the the pizza parlor next door has the Nambla symbol on it that that's part of the 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 sex trafficking ring, and I'm I'm deep enough into Pizzagate that when he said that. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not deep into Pizzagate. Uh, delete that. Um, but I, I'm well versed enough about the uh, the the um, the details of supposed Pizzagate that um, that I know right off the top of my head. One, uh, the symbol. It's not the Nambla symbol. For, first off, that is, that is factually incorrect. He's getting what, the, the details swirly of thing. This, yeah, the swirly thing. Yeah, he's getting the details of the story wrong. That is something from an FBI memo that says that that a symbol like that has been, you know, associated with, uh, with sex trafficking rings, which sounds much worse than Nambla, granted. But th- here's the thing. I mean, just the, one, the, Nick's not getting the details of the story right, and two, the symbol is just a little squiggly triangle uh, spiral. It's the type right. of thing you can doodle. Right. Uh, Nick is like, oh, I mean, the, it doesn't even, it's supposed to look like a piece of pizza, but it, it doesn't. I mean, it's so suspicious. No, bad logo design is not suspicious. Good logo design is suspicious. Anyone who knows anything about graphic design knows that you see b- terrible, inept logo design all over the place. It, it's not, that's a very typical, like someone paid their nephew to, to make that logo for them. And finally, the, the number one thing that I want to get across, if you're running a sex trafficking ring out of your pizza parlor, you don't put a pedophile symbol on the top of your restaurant. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In Washington, D.C., where the last time I checked, the FBI is headquartered there. FBI agents undoubtedly go into that pizza parlor. They didn't put a... (laughs) They didn't put a pedophile symbol on top of their pizza parlor. It's just a coincidence. It's right. just a coincidence. Do they even have a basement? And Nick knows that because he admitted it. He's like, okay, this is kind of stupid. Yeah, okay, thank you. It's very stupid. Thank well, you. He's doing a bit. I kind of got to push back on that because Nick is an avid... Con- Nick Mullen on Come Down is an avid conspiracy theorist. He does take this stuff kind of... Like, he... He, does, he got really upset about Epstein. He's well, But not just that. He's been on the pedophile beat for a long time. There was something... I forget the details of it, but he got paid like fifty thousand dollars for like an I, uh, uh, IBM commercial, and uh, went on Twitter and said something. Maybe it was actually Nazis, not pedophiles. Come to think of it, but he said something incriminating about uh, IBM on Twitter, and they just immediately fired him, uh, which is pretty. Oh I mean, pretty admirable, actually. I, I, you know, good for him having uh, having integrity. But um, he's also just big on like. And this is like real stuff. I'm I'm glad that he takes it seriously. But like like Hollywood like pedophile ranks. Um, so he's like very much into like legitimately unironically into uh, this stuff. And I don't think his uh, his interest in Pizzagate is is purely um, is purely ironic or comedic. Obviously, it partly is. And Matt Christmas as well, 
which is why I don't want to be too hard on them. But uh, even even that veiled in irony kind of like Pizzagate pushing is too far for me, honestly. I have an aversion to this stuff. I, I'm, I, I guess I'm at heart. I'm too much of a logic guy to, uh, to really um, kind of uh, get in the muck with that stuff. I, I, like it to, I, I like to entertain it from a purely skeptical standpoint, whereas they're, they're a little too indulgent for my taste. Sure. I mean, I think Matt has made some great points with, like, around Pizzagate, although he, I do think he does go too hard in, in Pizzagate sometimes. I think that his, he has made this point a few times about how Pizzagate is this expression of this like suspicion that the, um, the bourgeois class, the capitalist class, is doing things that are so utterly reprehensible that they're just beyond things that we can comprehend, things that we could think about. Um, and Pizzagate is the expression of that. And then great meta analysis of Pizzagate, right? And then lo and behold, the Brian Epstein was doing something like you know something similar to it. Not Brian Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Brian Epstein was also the Brian Singer. The yeah. Oh, okay. Well, he's probably pedo too. No. <laughs> I'll edit that part out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. But um, I think the I think that 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 what Matt is saying there is very insightful, and it also points to why I don't want to approach this stuff frivolously. What we need to do, like Matt Matt Chrisman had a great tweet recently. He said the left cannot afford to uh, to. Let me find yeah. this tweet yeah, so yeah, I can yeah, read yeah. it exactly. The left cannot allow an Epstein didn't kill himself gap, and. He's exactly right, and his reasons are because the story is so resonant. And if the left does allow the gap, then it will be picked up on by the Alex Jones of the world. And that is why we cannot afford to lose the Jeffrey Epstein wars. And that's also why you yeah. shouldn't say Pizzagate is real. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, and I think that there's there, there's some there's a dynamic there about like needing to control the Epstein narrative that's similar to like what what it is that um, a screenplay like The Hunt is expressing is that there's this like we're not used to thinking and talking about these things in terms of class. Um, like we've been channeled into these cultural resentments by the right. We play we totally play into their machinations by just having these cultural resentments around race and religion and. Um, like knee-jerk SJW reactions, and we don't think about these things in terms of um, of, of class. Yep, and the, we, we've got to make sure that the answer to Epstein is class solidarity and not uh, QAnon. Right, right. While I was looking through uh, Matt Chrisman's uh, Twitter feed, I, I found a tweet from uh, October of this year. I didn't realize that he, uh, he tweeted out the... Um, the lightning fast VCR repair shot uh, from Red Letter Media. So uh, that would be a good crossover, right? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. All right, are we missing anything on the hunt? Uh, I think I um, I think I wrapped everything up that I wanted to say. Uh, what's our? So I guess the the, the wrap up here is uh, whatever your take on uh, the screenplay. There's really no arguing that this is a uh, a liberal movie with a calling for um, the murder of conservatives. That is not a, a reasonable interpretation of uh, anything that was uh, that appeared in the screenplay. No, not at all. All right. I'm, gl I'm glad we put that one to bed. Uh, case closed. Another successful investigation. 
Yeah, and I mean, but and it's it's also important to just reiterate what um, you thoroughly emphasized earlier on is that this was um, censorship with the help of Tim Pool. With the help of Tim Pool and Fox News and uh, all of the right wing media stooges. All right. Very good. Very so that, good. That's uh, yeah, very good. Uh, another successful episode of uh, of Blocked and Reported. So did you guys um, before before we sign off just. Uh, Maybe take five minutes. Maybe I'm just curious about what happened uh, if with that Conrad person. If if you know anything more about Conrad. Oh, um, so Conrad Golden, aka uh, Bronze Swords on Twitter. Um, how even to describe him? A, uh, a celebrated Twitter personality, uh, a, a man of mystery. Um, he's uh, just a relentless Twitter reply guy who has just been pestering, not really me, but just, just various uh, small left-wing accounts for, uh, for months, if not, if not a year now. Um, and um, my friend uh, uh, Science Jangles, uh, who has a YouTube channel, uh, at SJW Debates, uh, has been trying to get him to, uh, to debate him on a live stream for, since July. And uh, uh, this week, uh, Conrad told uh, my friend, he's like, okay, I will, um, I will debate you if you read uh, this, uh, this Derrida book from cover to cover. And so Justin is like a, uh, you know, he's a scholar. So he just got the book, downloaded it, uh, read the whole thing in a week. I was like, okay, great. We're going we're gonna to debate uh, on, on Saturday. And uh, Conrad just ghosted, just ghosted. And then... Yeah, I was really excited on. to. I was so excited. I really wanted to hear who this guy was because he's like, he's on fire online. You know, he's like, he's always got something to say. And he, like, people keep remarking about this about him. His clout is amazing because he would. He had eighty followers, right? And everyone knows this guy. Everyone follows him. Or I guess not. Only eighty people follow him. But everyone I know follows him, and we're constantly uh, replying to him and retweeting him. And he's gonna be on a show. Yeah, he was gonna, he was gonna be on on this live stream. Everyone was so excited to hear what, what he had to say, and so he ghosted the whole day before, refused to to return any uh, any messages to my friend Justin. They're supposed to go on at 8 p.m. Eastern, and 20 minutes before, Conrad deletes his account off the internet. Yeah, and it's still gone. He's he deleted not just his Twitter account, his his web presence has vanished off the face of the earth. He's he's like a ghost. He's gone. Damn.